Hello, and welcome to episode 38 of the Our Weekly Highlights podcast. My name is Eric, and today we are covering the issue highlights for week 18, released on May 3rd, 2021. This week's issue was curated by Jonathan Carroll, with help from the Our Weekly team members and contributors. For a vast software project like R, every release is the culmination of immense work and effort from the R core team with important bug fixes, new features, and more. Certainly, the ability to create new packages and have them published on repositories such as CRAN is a terrific way to add new functionality to the language. But there are more ways you can contribute to new releases of R, even without touching a line of code. A new post on the R Developer blog, authored by Thomas Calibra, Luke Tierney, and Kurt Hornick, puts forth a call to action for such contributions in our first highlight of today. Like many other large-scale projects, the development infrastructure around R itself has a robust automated testing suite as a first line of defense against regressions and other issues introduced by updated code. We will hear more about that from a different context later in this episode. While automated tests will give a huge assist in the eventual release of R4.1, scheduled for May 18th, it is not the magic solution to pinpoint all potential regressions and bugs. With the feature freeze happening on the same day this episode is released, this is an excellent opportunity for you and the R community to give the pre-release version of R a spin with some manual, real-world usage. Using recent advancements in efficient virtual machines and containers on all of the major operating systems, it is now feasible to spin up a companion R environment that will not impact your existing R installation. Ensuring that interactive operations, such as installation screens, GUI-based front-ends perform as expected, is an important thing to test across all operating systems. In addition, this post specifies platform-specific issues that occurred in past development regarding certain character encodings, packages involving interactive elements, and ensuring any code utilizing the parallel packages forking mechanisms work as intended on the Linux distributions. And yes, even those using R on Solaris are highly encouraged to do their own testing using the aforementioned workflows, especially as this platform receives the least amount of testing. I've seen major Linux distributions such as Ubuntu encourage testing weeks on development versions before a new release, so perhaps this is the first step to having an R-tastic testing period where R users around the world can lend a helping hand. Staying on the testing theme, I personally have encountered more than a handful of situations where as I begin development of a major package, shiny application, or even a complex machine learning analytical pipeline, I say to myself that I'll get to adding some automated tests towards the end. Practically every time that happens, future me regrets that procrastination as it becomes even more daunting of a task to bolt in a solid test suite without delays in milestones or releases. With the recent 3.0 release of the very popular test that package, this is a great time for me to start developing better habits of incorporating tests early in my development process. 
Having awareness that tests are a good idea is one thing, and there are excellent tutorials on the basics of tests that, along with other R packages in this area that are freely available. Data scientist Angela, who goes by the handle Alukaki, outlines a practical guide informed by real experiences on considerations for authoring unit tests in R for our second highlight today. Angela provides clear examples of where using specific expectation functions from tests that, which are tailored to specific data types or classes, will provide a clear and more descriptive failure message than trying to be too fancy with the more general expect true function. The post continues with something I've been very curious about, and that's effective testing strategies of R6 classes and methods. If you aren't familiar, R6 is an implementation of object-oriented programming fundamentals and is used heavily in packages such as Shiny. While the official R6 package vignettes have a bit of documentation around debugging, I have not seen such a thorough deep dive into robust testing with R6 classes until I read Angela's write-up. It sounds like a lot of the examples were informed by lessons learned the hard way, and that's certainly how I've grown as an R user most of the time. This is an excellent post to read for, again, a great practical introduction of utilizing test that in your daily workflows. And now for our last highlight of our episode. Many of our previous episodes showcased amazing visualizations produced by ggplot2, such as when we covered the recent posts and tutorials around the growing library of extension packages. It may seem like new chart types require mastery of the internals of ggplot2, but that's certainly not always the case. Sometimes all it takes is a novel combination of the included geoms and coordinate functions to accomplish that feat, and talented R user and football fan Robin Coetzeer did just that by creating radar charts, or perhaps better known as pizza charts, with real-world football player metrics assembled with the World Football R package. After assembling the input data with a tidy workflow, Robin shares a step-by-step -step example of how combining geom bar with cord underscore polar yields an already functional pizza chart depicting the percentile ranks of key player metrics per 90 minutes, such as non-penalty goals, interceptions, and assists. While one could argue that for a clear comparison of individual values that a standard bar chart might be more appropriate, there is certainly something about pizza charts that helps to break up the norm just a bit to get your attention. The post concludes with a sampling of different style choices one can make, along with the complete code to accomplish them all. Boy, all that talk about pizza sure makes me hungry. <laughs> but check out the post in full if you want to satisfy your ggplot2 appetite with another interesting visualization entree. And those are your R Weekly highlights for today. As always, it's another jam-packed issue with excellent resources and tutorials, such as a solution to a recent coin tossing poll that went viral, a great summary of the recent R OpenSci community call on setting up a package to foster a community, an easy way to launch background jobs in the RStudio IDE, and much more. 
It's hard to believe that we're almost halfway through the year 2021 and we've had some great resources shared in all of our previous episodes and of course the full issues of R Weekly. Where can you find all this great info? Just head to rweekly.org for all the complete archive of previous issues, the current issue, and of course the podcast link at the top where you can find more of the back catalog of the R Weekly Highlights podcast you're listening to now. And I'm always welcoming the feedback. There is a link to the contact page on the R Weekly contact on the R Weekly home site, as well as you can reach out to me on Twitter. My handle is at the Rcast. Have a spectacular week, and we will be back with another batch of R Weekly highlights next week. <laughs>